0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Electric Avenue, a podcast about the rapidly growing world of electric vehicle charging. I'm your host, Aaron Fishbone, public policy director of Greenway, based in Bratislava, Slovakia. It's now February 2022, and we've been gearing up to produce some new episodes. So in preparation, I went back and listened to some of our older episodes and what we covered there, and one of them really jumped out. It was our 2020 Trends Part 2 episode. I mean, we recorded this in January 2020, and that is just like a world away. It was before COVID hit, it was before the recovery plans came into effect in Europe. At that point, Europe's uh, electrified fleet was less than half a million vehicles in total compared to over 4 million today. So e-mobility was growing, but it was a completely different pace and scale than where the market is today. All of that in mind, this episode is really interesting to look back and listen to again. So let's go back in time and look at the trends that we talked about in part two episode. So roaming and user experience, industry consolidation, and the electric vehicle charging and energy convergence. I'm gonna see how they held up today. After the show, we'll do a little reflection on our time trap. Here we go, back in time. So let's dive right in. And of course, here in the studio with me today, co-founder of Greenway, Peter Badik. Let's begin with a story.
1: Last Christmas I was driving from my girlfriend's parents' place in the Black Forest area to my family's home, which is near Lake Constance. So I would say this was basically a trip that took place somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Still, the good thing was that already end of 2018, There were plenty of charges along this route, so the coverage was not really an issue. So it was quite sufficient, Um, there were uh, enough charging stations to be found on the way. So what was an issue though, was basically two things. I would say two-thirds of the charges along the way didn't either function or the service hotline was, you know, was not prepared for those kinds of issues. There was either no one available or the stuff was not qualified to help me. Of course, uh, not such a good thing at Christmas Eve, uh, by the way.
0: Yes, this was a real-life experience shared by Thomas Diver, former CEO of Hubject and now at the Cosmic Cat Group. And it's a perfect segue to the next trend to watch out for in 2020, trend number four, user experience and roaming. Increasingly, the marketplace of electric mobility service providers is becoming about quality and reliability, not just about the number of chargers customer experience is i think the new watchword in the EMP business and at Greenway we take this very very seriously i mean you talk about it all the time we have a cross departmental customer experience SWAT team which you know monitors things and proactively addresses customer experience improvements that we see c- that could happen in t- all the touch points that customers have but really to put it perfectly here's Lyubov Artemenko who's chief operating officer of GoToYou a CPO EMP in Ukraine and they've been winning awards all over the world by the way for their business model and their customer experience focus so she is.
2: It's no longer about simply growing number of the charging station, but it's very much these days about charging experience of the EV drivers. So we really see a shift from uh, solving the problem of the range anxiety to solving the problem of experience anxiety of the EV drivers. And that really brings new challenges. And I also believe that it opens up are amazing opportunities. Uh, In my opinion, one company uh, who really understands this and that already very much ahead of the game is Tesla. So in 2020, one should keep an eye as Tesla goes to software as a service business, introducing, for example, the premium connectivity subscription and unpacking unlimited possibilities for the in-car experience. And of course, new revenue streams.
0: I think Thomas's point was about the basic fundamentals of customer experience and responsiveness, and Lubov's was about providing excellent customer service and also that the kind of battleground has moved to customer experience and user experience. Peter, how do you even think about the concept of user experience? I mean, what is it? First thing is it's something which you... You are never done with user experience, so mm. it has to be a well, constant but... thing in
3: your company, and you need to improve it all the time. And therefore, as well, we have all this concept of uh, mapping of touch points and trying to improve it. And I know how it is complicated, and uh, you know every small improvement requires a lot of work behind, and that's a constant thing. So you need to I have laugh
0: a... because it's quite <laughs> understated.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you need to have it simply like in, in the DNA of a company. So you need to repeat it, and it's a matter of the you know the top manager to have bring this topic all the time. Second thing. We maybe a word to mention in general about this industry that it's very complex and it's a big industry, the charging, and it's very new and still there is a you know limited amount of money flowing in and things are changing very quickly so you need to adapt very quickly with limited resources uh, to new technologies, to new things so you need to grow your network and interesting is that well, we are going through a learning process to understand what really customers want you have many topics where it's not really clear if this is something which a majority of the customers or most of the customers want. One of the topics is reservation of a parking lot for a charging. On one side, it looks like, okay, the perfect feature, I can reserve my charger. When I'm coming there, it will be ready for me and I can charge. On the other side, we have as well a very bad attitude to that. that Basically, it's uh, in a situation where you do not have so many charges all around to block the charger for use uh, just before you came there. Is not something which helps the EV community. So, this is a small example, but I just want to say that sometimes it's
0: even hard to identify what is really improving the, the user experience. Mm-hmm. And something that maybe makes sense from the perspective of the company, right, because it's a workflow improvement for us, doesn't necessarily make sense for, for the user, for the EV drivers. And and I think we are now living in a world which is,
3: a, I used to say, hyper-competitive, you know, so you expect everything works 100% in time. And uh, sometimes this industry really has a problem just to secure the basic functionalities. But I think it's improving, and I think we will need to do a lot of work in that.
0: It's a great place to pivot to something that's related to UX in in actually a lot of ways, which is the concept of roaming. And this is the concept of users being able to charge not just on chargers of the company whose network, the operator whose network they are in, whose card they hold, or whose app they're, let's say, primarily registered with, but other operators as well, traveling to different countries and then charging different operators. You know, When it's not possible for a customer to use the same RFID card or the Mm -hmm. same app, to charge everywhere, that's a really big pain point for them. And I think it's been raised as really big for the industry overall and its success. What do you think? This is a topic which is here from very beginning,
3: so-called interoperability. And uh, I think that's uh, one of the basic elements of user experience, if t- so to speak. The good thing is that I think in the last two or three years, the technical things uh, was more or less solved. So we have all means now that interoperability can be secured. You can have theoretically possibility to access what one card every charge point in Europe, theoretically. The problem is, uh, and I think we will touch it in a while. Is the ability of a uh, charging point operator to connect with other, all others uh, players? So it's really a big technical challenge, I would say. That's the one thing. Uh, but the technical interoperability, as we call it, so technically possibly, to to do it. It's here, and it's just a matter of a lot of work on the side of the operators to make it happen. But I think we moved this year uh, into
0: what we call the economic interoperability, or uh, something what we call the roam like at home. And you know, by the way, just quickly. I mean, a few of our contributors mentioned exactly this point, you know, Petar Georgiev from Euroelectric, Rafal Shashevsky from Greenway Polska really mentioned this is the customer facing side of roaming, right? One is use, the other is invoicing. And And so the reason why this topic of roaming, very closely tied to user experience, but different, uh, is a part of our trends episode is because it's going to be really important to see how this evolves over the course of the year in order for the mass uptake of electric mobility to be a success. Trend number five market consolidation, and the emergence of new companies and business models. So here's Thomas Diver again making this point.
1: There are way too many players in the EV charging landscape in Europe. This is such an interesting fact because there's still not too much money in the market, maybe except Norway, and we're still waiting for the mass rollout of electric cars. But apparently still new players, the CPOs and MSPs, they have been popping up like mushrooms in Europe. For the customers, I uh, am meaning the EV drivers and the maturity of the market, this was not such a good thing as it raised the complexity overall, the market complexity, and in parallel, it decreases the quality of customer experience. As more and more people will drive electric, there is, from my point of view, no chance as a company to survive with that kind of attitude, this will be a very healthy development for the market. And those companies will either have to improve or they'll just die.
0: And, you know, at the same time, there's also lots of opportunities, as Rock from Etrel explains. We have an unbelievable number of new startups entering the
3: traditional car manufacturing industry. This is excellent display of how powerfully electric mobility could affect the once rigid market seemingly lowering the barriers for newcomers, while at the same time, investments are backing decent doers, confirm the quest for the much-needed change.
0: So Peter, I mean, this is interesting. These two quotes seem like they're opposing viewpoints. On the one hand, there's too many companies in the market. We need to start getting rid of some acquisitions, mergers, companies need to die in order to clear out the landscape a little bit fewer providers. But on the other hand, as Rock said, there's all of these new opportunities for new market entrants, and there are entirely new industries and new businesses being created right now. There's new data streams available. Lubov made this point. There's new service offerings that can come in to provide us whether back-end or front-end applications. And there's a lot of new energy applications that can take place from the convergence between EV charging and the cars and the grid. You know, Peter, you're a businessman. You're a serial entrepreneur and founder. I mean, how do you see the marketplace? And, and what's important here from the trends perspective? I think we mentioned here several times, we are in a challenging industry going to the phase where we need to
3: uh, go into much more mature business. We need to improve our internal processes. We need to be able to execute on UX. How to execute it perfectly is the challenge. I see here two things and basically agree with both quotes. On one side there could be a new technology or software or whatever coming from some kind of startups. On the other side we need a more consolidation and we need a more professional companies who are doing it with the larger resources with a focus and with a very strong know-how.
0: Lots happening here and I guess the market will will shift itself out. It is noteworthy that there's a lot of opportunity and uh, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah,
3: maybe one thing to add on this topic. It will be very interesting for me to see if the Central and Eastern Europe will be able to create such a strong player. Naturally, in a green way, we have these ambitions. Hopefully, we'll be successful, but it will be very interesting if it be us or it be someone, some other company, if this kind of a strong, consolidated player on charging infrastructure business could come from this part of Europe.
0: Mm -hmm. We'll work on making that happen. In one market in particular that's going to be very active in 2020... And that is the place where energy, electric vehicles, batteries, and charging infrastructure all come together. We've talked about this topic a lot on the podcast before. 2020 is the year when, I'm going to quote Peter Georgiev from Your Electric here, one of our contributors, quote, we will see increased rollout of smart charging capable infrastructure across Europe and consumers will massively start understanding the benefits. So our next trend to watch is EV charging and energy convergence. Here's Thomas DiBer.
1: The energy and mobility service worlds will finally start to intercept in 2020. And uh, they're with Also, the competition of the two industry sectors that have not had too many overlaps in the past is going to kick off this year. Now that the value chain, at least for EV charging, seems to be more and more concrete, defined and settled, um, the competition drives those companies to find either new USPs or drives them to diversify. In the context of EV charging, I would highlight in particular one service which is relevant for 2020. And this is a vehicle to grid or in a wider context, vehicle to X. 2020 will probably be the year where you will see first commercial series-ready V2G solutions out there. And despite of many others in the market, I think that the possibilities of combining electric car batteries to a virtual power plant is really massive. And there are many nice things that you can do with it, like balancing, renewable energy production, crit congestion, frequency containment reserves, just to name a few And of course, in the meantime, also offering new incentives and services for your customers. And this can happen uh, both on the B2C, but also B2B level.
0: So there, Thomas is making uh, quite a few points, actually. I mean, one of them is about the point made above, which is that there are also lots of new opportunities for new businesses or new revenue streams even for existing businesses. I mean, at Greenway, we're experimenting with a number of new revenue streams related to energy storage and integration of renewables as well, right?
3: Yeah, for us, it's a very, very big topic. We, as a charging point operator, we will have a great part in the uh, energy business of the future. So for us, it's uh, one of the key topics for R&D, what we do and project we are joining and so on and so forth. As was mentioned, the owner of electric vehicle is able to manage when it needs the, the charging. What we need to secure is that the EV customers, the owner of electric vehicle, should benefit from the fair share of the value, which is bring to the smart charging or smart grid by providing the flexibility when he or she is able to charge. So if I'm able to provide certain flexibility when my car is going to be charged, I should benefit from that.
0: And just to clarify for people who maybe don't know the topic so well, when we say smart charging or smart grid. The idea here is that a vehicle can either can receive energy from the grid at a time when the grid has it to offer and that there are systems in place to let the you know connect whether it's the charging point to the the grid connection know when there is energy available or the price at which energy is available and whether or not that is now the right time to give energy to this charging point and therefore this vehicle or maybe in the reverse case where there is vehicle to grid possibility to give energy from the battery in the car back into the grid exactly and very- Very simply
3: say, when you charge your vehicle, sometimes it could be beneficial for the energy grid, sometimes it could be a problem. It depends when you charge. And if you are able to provide the flexibility, so tell your operator, charge me when it's beneficial for the grid, you should as well benefit from this flexibility. If you are not responsive saying, I need a charge now, it will be secured, but the prices will be higher. And it will be always mixed. Sometimes you need simply- Power now. Power now. Gotta go. Or, right. Whatever happens in an energy grid, sometimes you are flexible. And most of the time with electric vehicles, you are flexible. And uh, that is a great source of value which the electric vehicles could provide to the grid. Mm-hmm.
0: And there's a really a big movement pushing smart charging and smart grid right now because it could save a lot. I mean, obviously on one hand, it requires some technical improvements improvements, but it could save, you don't necessarily need to build new grids, new grid connection, rather you just need to balance the load differently so that there's not everyone is charging at the same time.
3: Here is extremely, extremely important that we need to start but from the very beginning with a smart technology, smart meters, connected chargers, even I would really strongly suggest that even the home charger should be connected to some central system, which is able to manage the flow of the energy in the future, especially if you think that in the garage, you really have a lot of flexibility when you are going to charge.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know, on one hand, there is this like use of energy and convergence with charging and energy. On the other hand, there is a whole body of work related to energy storage. We've talked a lot about that, so we can I don't think we need to talk more about it now. Suffice to say, it seems like the trend to watch here is how much does this grow? But you had brought up the some of the regulatory issues that need to take place here, and that we should really be watching to see how they evolve over the course of the year. Please share.
3: Exactly, I think uh, all the things which we are discussing was discussed very significantly among the professionals or so those people who are involved in this business. And now it's really a time in 2020 that this debate is shifting to uh, regulators, and I think they are still more and more uh, willing to listen. We already started uh three or four years ago, and me personally were meeting a lot of people in energy industry and the European commissions, and then trying to explain this topic and importance of these topics and now I think it's bringing the fruits. So I believe that in 2020 one of the things which we will see and it's worth to watch is how the regulation is going to shift. We already mentioned in this podcast the alternative fuel infrastructure directive which should be changed to regulation and which should as well bring a lot of changes into the energy regulation and how the charging networks are built.
0: A lot of these are things we were talking about already last year, right? They've been bubbling and even before last year they've been bubbling up they've been coming together pilots tests experiments whatnot but the i guess the real issue that's the trend for 2020 is a deeper convergence these are now at a like relatively mainstream at a much higher level these topics are clashing into each other and now it's about finding the real synergies the real opportunities especially at scale for these things to take place and then regulation plays a large part of that in terms of making that able to happen at scale those are the final major trends that uh we got together with our contributors but there are a few other interesting points that people made that I just want to briefly mention even though we didn't do a whole segment the on them things in europe will be the green deal and the alternative fuel directive two of them were brought up by ryan fisher from bloomberg new energy finance who's based in london and the first is you know in the wake of brexit how will the uk react to a lot of the new regulations and changes that are going to be coming out of Considering
3: europe they're leaving the market shortly
0: well how is the uk gonna react and interestingly I mean, it is one of the largest electric vehicle markets. It's the largest market for Nissan in all of Europe. So it'll be a really interesting test case and, and definitely We're something to watch. ...to see cities pull ahead with installation. So I would expect regulators to start to look at... The other point uh, he made that we didn't areas, talk about uh, was a, no, you know, on one hand, cities are getting lots of investment. You have know, lots of charging infrastructure in cities and urban areas, but it's very different case in rural areas and villages and towns. And so the, how is this, let's say, an urban-rural divide going to be Addressed how our policymakers going to react, what investments are going to be made in order to keep rural areas a part of the overall EV growth trend. And one other point was made by, uh, let's see, by Rafał Krzyzewski, our colleague up in Poland, CEO of Greenway Polska, was the role of municipalities as like municipal level government in providing incentives and engaging in the topic and really leading the development of electric mobility in their communities. It is still different in Central and Eastern Europe than it is in Western Europe, um, but something that we expect to see a lot more leadership from municipalities in this region in the course of 2020. And the final point worth mentioning here is from Peter Gior, from Euroelectric, which is that at the EU wide level, how is roaming going to be standardized from a, a VAT perspective? It's not necessarily a whole trend in and of itself, but certainly something worth watching as it gets to roaming and the customer experience that we touched on. So how do those observations sound looking back now from early February 2022? I mean, I think broadly, we got some of the important trends to watch right. And there are ones that are still valid today. Progress has been made on all fronts, but in some of those areas, things haven't fundamentally changed, except especially for the topic of industry consolidation, where there has been a dramatic shaking out of the industry. Since then, ChargePoint has gone public and it then bought has to be here in Europe. Shell has acquired New Motion and PodPoint and is rebranding them as Shell Recharging Solutions. NG bought EVBox, Fortune bought Plug Surfing. ENBW in Germany invested into Smatrix in Austria. Landis and Gear has bought Etrel in Slovenia. Vontier bought Drives just a few weeks ago. And actually just recently it was announced that Greenway, yours truly, received an investment of 85 million euros from some infrastructure investors. What all of this means is that the first big shaking out of the charging operator industry is well underway and has already been taking place. So there's going to be fewer but bigger players in the next wave of maturation of the industry. This also shows that there's been increasing understanding of our industry on the side of the financial industry and then increasing normalization of it so they know how to account for their investments and how to value things. Hopefully this will be good for consumers as well in the form of bigger networks, more roaming and easier roaming, more uptime and reliability of charging stations, and more and better customer service and support. So we'll be watching to see what all of this means. In terms of roaming and user experience, I don't think we've left the discussion of range anxiety entirely behind us because as the industry is growing, as it becomes more popular and increasingly enters the mainstream market, suddenly it's no longer the early adopters and people who are familiar with EVs anymore. Now it's a much bigger swath of the market that needs to learn about EVs and be educated on them. And they don't know so much about where charging is and about uh, the range of their vehicles. And those are all things they have to learn So all of these new people need to be educated and made aware. And so we're kind of going back to some of those earlier conversations that we've already moved on from with the early adopters, even though there's many more vehicles with much further ranges as a norm available on the market. And also, you know, we're going to see increasing urban vehicles that have shorter ranges and cater to an entirely different use case than longer distance and vehicles with more range. But I love Lyubov's point about experience anxiety over range anxiety. And I think it also holds up very, very well. It's such an important point. This is gonna be an ongoing topic for a long time too as there are so many things that come into the header of what is user experience. One big topic that we're dealing with right now at the European level, where we're debating the alternative fuels infrastructure regulation proposal, this huge, wide-ranging piece of legislation at the European level that will impact all elements of the electric vehicle market, is one of the big controversies around payment methods and approaches. And how does that relate to customer experience? What would be smoothest for them? What would be easiest for customers, for different types of customers? It's not just about is the charger located near nice amenities and what services do EMPs or OEMs offer. All of these things are about the user experience, but hopefully they're not contributing to experience anxiety, but rather experience smoothness. And finally, on the topic of energy system integration, I mean, as we all know, the energy system is large and slow moving in a heavily regulated industry. Since 2020, I think the biggest thing that we can say here is the topic of this integration has finally moved to the top of the policymaking and utility planning agenda. I mean, yes, there are lots of home chargers, and home chargers are able to provide a lot of demand-side flexibility by recharging at home at night when their electricity is most available and when the charging price is the cheapest. But other than that, there are fleets and depots and even charging hubs, and more and more of them, where smart charging and energy management is used to balance consumption. That's all true. But these are individual examples. They're not happening at a huge scale. And in the heavily regulated energy industry, this is where we are. That the convergence is now at the top of the agenda. We're seriously looking into it, um, but it's not yet being deployed at scale, which it needs to be, in order for all of the many benefits that electric vehicles and distributed stored energy can bring to the grid. This will be huge going forward. So, let's see where it all goes from here. It's especially great to look back and realize that all of the guests we spoke to in both parts of our Trends 2020 episodes Lyubov Artemenko, Tomas Diber, Peter Georgiev, Roch Kobal, Rafael Shashevsky, and Ryan Fisher are all still working in the EV industry. Some of them have left and gone to new jobs, of course, but that's just a sign of how many opportunities there are in this sector. It's booming now, and there are so many open positions. Half of my LinkedIn feed is just job opportunities in the e-mobility space. So there's lots of opportunities there for people looking to enter the space. If you want to get caught up, we have over 30 episodes in our archive that you can listen to, and we're planning on rolling out a few more coming very soon. I want to thank our producer, Katarina urban Richterova and we'll be back pretty soon with an important discussion from leading charge point operators and e-mobility service providers from Central and Eastern Europe, talking about the issues, challenges, and opportunities they're experiencing in this region. Until then, wishing you many happy and safe electric kilometers.
1: One thing is for sure, this is the most interesting time to work in the mobility sector and also in the energy sector, I'd say, Um, since the invention of the car, probably. And that's more than 100 years ago. uh, The good part is that we are all stakeholders in this young industry and we should be very grateful to be part of that story.